I think it's because I found so much joy from stepping outside of my comfort zone to do things. Even getting into tattooing was like, for so long I was like, oh, I'm too scared to do this or that, or, or I could never do that. I realized that I could get out of my bubble and be like meeting people and talking and learning. And that was such a huge jump outside of my comfort zone. And I live for moments like this. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Vicarious, a podcast that dives into the creative minds of me, Alex Scott, and me, Karen White, and anyone else who will talk to us. And today, that person is Olivia Harrison. Olivia is an artist and tattooer in Vancouver, Canada. Drawing and painting since she was young, she began apprenticing as a tattooer under her dad in 2013. She gets most of her inspiration from plants, animals, and vintage botanical illustrations. She hopes to make connections and learn about her clients through a shared love of art and nature. If you don't know Liv's work already, you can check it out on her Instagram account at FearBear, and that's actually how Karen and I first came to know her. Yeah, I've been following you actually for years. Yeah. That's <laughs> so wild. Yeah. I don't know if Alex mentioned that to you when you guys were <laughs> I kind of forgot. Up, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, Liv and I first met last year when Chris and I started dating. And then I guess Chris told me that you're a tattooer and told me mm-hmm. about like, he's like, oh, yeah, you might have seen her work. And I was like, I have. <laughs> I follow her. And then kind of the same conversation happened when I told Karen about you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was maybe, I don't know in and around the time that I asked you to be on the podcast or maybe a little bit before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Karen's been following you for even longer than I have. Yeah, I'm actually not sure when. My sister actually uh, kind of showed me your work and I think maybe we have some mutual friends Mm -hmm. or something. But yeah, I've been a big fan for for like... Yeah, I've been tattooing for like 10 years now. I guess so, yeah. Somewhere in there, which is (laughs) wild to think about. Yeah, that must be interesting for you. Hey, you have quite a big following on Mm -hmm. Instagram and it's a lot of local Vancouver people. They kind of know you but don't know you. Yeah. (laughs) Must be a little bizarre. It is. I feel like there was like a peak and it's kind of ebbed since then as like Mm. Instagram has become less popular and now people are kind of going to other mediums. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've definitely had some interesting (laughs) scenarios like this where I'm like, oh, you know me, but don't know me. That's cool. That's, I mean, yeah. You know your work, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. a little bit, Mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure there's definitely been that person too. (laughs) Yeah, and there's plenty that I'm sure you don't share as well, right? It's like, it's Mm -hmm. not like you're posting every single tattoo that you've ever done. Yeah. 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 That would be a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So... Before we dive into the conversation and learn more about how you got into tattooing and everything, let's start with our creative thing for the week. Okay. Liv, can we put you on the spot? <laughs> sure, I'll go first. Okay, okay awesome. Just, I, I should say that I looked at Alex with a scared look yeah. in my eyes. So <laughs> I was like, don't make me don't do make it. Don't make me do <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, I have one that's like, it's, I feel like kind of weird, but whenever... whenever I feel like kind of a creative slump I go onto the sims and I'll build a house and right now I'm like making a Victorian house oh my gosh I love that (laughs) it's using other people's art to make my own art but I feel like it counts yeah (laughs) totally counts but that yeah I felt like super kind of inspired by doing stuff like that what do you think it is about that in particular that kind of inspires you in your own creative life? I think it's one of the few times I can let myself be free with making art. 
mm-hmm. where I can kind of just go like, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's a Sims house. Mm-hmm. If I'm like painting or doing tattoos or anything, I think I'm hypercritical of everything that I'm doing. And I sometimes will be like, oh, it's all terrible. I, I should stop forever. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's hard when you have that pressure and especially, you know, tattoos like people are mm-hmm. hiring you for this this yeah. important thing yeah. and it's one thing to like make a piece of art for someone but mm-hmm. to make a piece of art that is on their body and ostensibly staying on their body forever I can't imagine mm-hmm. how you wouldn't be a perfectionist with yeah. that like, there's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. in totally. a lot of those in tattooing and like the art that I do is like all lines. I don't really give myself a lot of space to go outside the box. So mm-hmm. even I took up sewing recently and I was like, this is, I mean, pretty similarly strictly have to focus <laughs> on not doing anything wrong. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very by the book. Yeah. Yeah. The attention to detail is important. So yeah. So it's really important for you to have an outlet where you can just be free and like experiment and it's just mm-hmm. low stakes, literally yeah. no stakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know those Sims really, you know, they rely on They rely house. on you. Yeah. They do. Oh, that's true. Maybe not no stakes. I don't want to be disrespectful to the Sims. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned a slump because Karen and I recently recorded and released a bonus episode and oh, yeah? it was just kind of a fun one. And it, at the top of the episode, we talked about summer slumps. Because I find for me, summer is like not a very, I I find that I always get into weird mental health stuff in the summer of just mm-hmm. feeling like not super inspired or not very motivated. Mm-hmm. So do you find that it's kind of like a seasonal thing or is it not yeah. necessarily? I think usually in the summer, in a lot of ways, I kind of go into a slump of like not exercising, not eating mm-hmm. or not eating healthy. Mm-hmm. And then like creativity kind of goes out the window because there's just so many other things you could be doing, I guess. Yeah that I kind of feel like, oh, I should be outside. I should be doing this. Instead yeah. of being like, you can just chill and do a drawing and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> hang that's out. totally valid. It's a valid way to spend your time. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that in the episode, right? I think speaking of pressure, like there's pressure to make the most out of your mm-hmm. summer and the weather and totally. the free time. Mm-hmm. And apparently everyone's supposed to be in a good mood all the time, mm-hmm. right? Which is not not the case, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, so we get it. We're still in our summer slump era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I am. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe oh, you're, I am. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're getting into September. We have that kind of like back to school, even though none of us are in school. But mm-hmm. we've got that energy of sort of like that second new year feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, starting over. Like the fall and Yeah, September. mentally, we're going back to school. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> getting back into yeah, the grind. Yeah, we can get creative. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming. So kind of along that note of like, maybe not having the most creative uh, energy right now, my creative thing for the week is a little bit, a bit of a stretch. <laughs> and it's something that I can't really take credit for. Mm-hmm. But yesterday, Chris and I went to the Burnaby Village Museum mm-hmm. and the Ooh. Burnaby Art Gallery, which is really nearby. Yeah, the reason why I'm counting that as a creative thing is just because it's so far out of what I would ordinarily do. And I can't really take credit because he planned the whole thing and like <laughs> navigated us there, which if you're taking transit, the navigation is actually pretty important. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, so we just spent the day walking around and like seeing a bunch of things. The Burnaby Village is set up as like a historic 
site or a historic village. Everything's from the early 1900s. And so we took in a lot of history and even just taking in the old textiles and wallpaper and architecture and even whatever it is, like even just the little pots and the hat boxes. I don't know. It was really, it was really fun to just take in all of this kind of visual information and visual history. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially yeah. in a way that's very all-encompassing, like very yeah. immersive. Right? Very immersive. You're walking, you're just walking through and meandering and reading mm-hmm. as you go. And the art gallery too, which is nearby, is in this old Victorian house, like this kind of mansion. <laughs> you can use that so... for your next uh, inspiration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give me some pics. I need it for my <laughs> Sims house. Totally. Yeah, we actually took like... The thing that we took the most photos of was one of their fireplaces because the tiles were so beautiful and it was just, yeah, it was very majestic. And it was funny because the fireplace was in one of the exhibit rooms. So there's art all around us, but we're just taking photos of the fireplace. (laughs) But yeah, it was beautiful. It was so lovely to be in in a heritage building and just marvel. So Mm -hmm. that's, it's not personal creativity <laughs> it's not <laughs> but it's any- good you're taking in other people's art and yeah. just being around other art and architecture is inspiring in itself too exactly yeah. and even just checking out a different part of the city like I don't really have any reason to go out to like Burnaby Lake Deer Lake area besides mm. you know if I was to go to the park or go to these sites so I'd never really even seen that part of town so even just that was nice for turning a new leaf yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, getting out of my, my ruts and my routines. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. was a creative recommendation of mine last season. So there you're you welcome go. for that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you really were thinking about yeah. that. Exactly. <laughs> so Karen, have you got something equally as abstract for <laughs> your creative thing of the week? Yeah, yeah. I was struggling to think of a creative thing. And I think we, you know, as we talk about, ad nauseum on this podcast every week, expanding the idea of creativity, what is creative and maybe, you know, like you were talking about with your not quite so creative, creative thing, just sort of expanding the idea of what it is to be creative and nurturing your creativity rather than like producing something creative Mm -hmm. maybe. So my creative thing is that I was actually thinking about something you said in the bonus episode about playing piano like going to your old piano songs and just kind of playing some classical pieces and sort of turning your brain off a little bit you know it's not I don't know inherently creative to be playing Mm -hmm. someone else's music but it just kind of gets you inspired and for me I don't I don't play a ton of piano so when I do try especially like classical pieces so when I do try my best at them, I'm not, I'm not a pro, but it does feel like it's unlocking a little, a different part of my brain and my creativity, just kind of getting me to think, you know, in a different, a different avenue or going down a different avenue in my creative, in my music understanding and expression. Mm-hmm. So that's my and creative And it's skill it's building. Like it's, you yeah. know, it's like a foundation for creativity because the more, I mean, I'm sure this is true of any art, but my only real context is music. The The more time you spend practicing and learning pieces, the more technical ability you're like getting under your fingers mm-hmm, and definitely. You know, that will translate into 
creative output at some point, and it probably will be completely subconscious of of the things that you've taken in and like absorbed. Yeah, I Mm. think with music, I don't know, maybe this is true for art, you know, art Mm -hmm. styles as well. And in your tattooing, you feel like a lot of the time where I feel at least that you have to kind of stick to the kind of music that you're making and, you know, draw inspiration from that, trying to look to those things to, yeah, like Mm -hmm. the genre or, you know, instrumentation, like singing, right, for me. And going with a classical piano piece that's so far removed from what it is I actually do feels like it might not be the most inspirational, but it probably is even more so because it's just something totally new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's good to like step outside of your comfort zone, like you were saying earlier, and like don't be afraid to do things badly or mm-hmm. make bad art, make bad things. Make it's a like, bad Sims house. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> Are you afraid of that? Is that is it, do you feel that pressure yeah. when you're... Yeah, I'm always like, it has to be perfect right away or it's bad or I'm bad or something like that. Yeah. You know, the spiral, the yeah. creative oh, spiral. Yeah. yeah. And so I shouldn't make anything at all, but it's just... That's not a way to go about thinking. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. And it's really limiting, right? When you sometimes when I do something that I'm proud of, I stop. The, like I finish a project, but then I take a break because I don't want to like risk doing something bad afterwards, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to hang on to the yeah. feeling of like, You're oh like, no, I'm I good won. at this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did and something this good. This is the last yeah. thing that I'll do. <laughs> yeah. If I never sew another piece of clothing again, mm-hmm. then I will consider myself good at yeah, you ended on a high note ended on a high note exactly <laughs> always yes. ending on a high note yeah i, did I the also ex- recently took up sewing. oh my god i did the exact same thing recently i was like made a dress it's perfect but i can't make anything else yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is my this is my peak yeah <laughs> Yeah. I succeeded. Done. What's the next thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about crochet? <laughs> Everyone's I'm, bringing up crochet. Crochet is a big thing. Yeah. It's cool. come up a couple yeah. times. Yeah. What role does creativity play in your life right now? Okay. Right now, I'd say creativity plays kind of, mm, I guess it, it's always kind of played this, but like a, an escape a little bit or like a way to connect with people, like with my clients and stuff like that. It's hard for me to find the energy to make stuff at home still, to like do my own art at home. So I find like connecting with people and having conversations and like, because I'm such an introverted person, I would never do those things on my own. <laughs> it's nice to have that sort yeah. of, you know, common ground of you're there doing this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I guess connecting and and a lot of the artistic things I've been doing recently are maybe more structured. I mean, all of my stuff is very structured, but like sewing and following patterns and things. So I can kind of, I guess, let loose I, don't I think know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. I feel I feel similarly with with sewing and like I said I I knit and having like parameters, having a structure to something mm-hmm. allows me to relax in a way that yes. sometimes like for me with music, I find that stressful at times. One because it is like a job that I mm-hmm. have to kind of I feel I feel pressure to to keep going with it when I'm maybe not so inspired but also because it's so open and there's so much possibility mm-hmm. I find that so overwhelming and for me it, it doesn't really inspire 
me to be creative a lot of the time. I kind of force my way through mm -hmm. that feeling of being overwhelmed and try to find the creativity. But in music, I try to set my own parameters too because I just thrive off of kind of that yeah. feeling of, you know, this is what maybe needs to get done. And then, yeah, I feel like I have a, a purpose and then I can kind of move my way through that task mm. or quest or whatever oh, you want to call it that's with exactly creativity. you put it into words that I could not <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm here for yeah. <laughs> like sometimes with tattooing you'll get people coming in with like uh oh uh do whatever you want to do within this kind of rough outline like do a bunch of flowers and I'm like that's that's almost not enough yeah you know I need some guidance or I'm going to draw you know, whatever I want to draw, and then you're going to hate it, probably. <laughs> you know? And then you're going to hate me, I mean, and then yeah. I'm bad, and I yeah. need to quit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just a real big spiral. I can't yeah. imagine. That sounds really terrifying to me. Yeah. Just because you also are, you're doing it for someone else. It is your art. I'm sure you are mm -hmm. putting your own, your own stamp on it, your own style, and all those things. But when you don't have those specifications, yeah, and it's, it's, for someone else, right? That someone else is going to be wearing this on their body mm -hmm. and it's for them. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that it's something that they are going to. Yeah. Like it's exactly what they want. Right? And people are doing it to be like kind of more accommodating, but it's like, it's okay. You can, you can say what you want. It's all good. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to make you, your job a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. kind of did that with my hairstylist last week. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always get to this place where my hair is like about at my shoulders. and like, do I cut off four inches or do I cut off half? Right. An inch <laughs> try to no. let it grow. And uh, do I cut bangs or do I let them grow? And so <laughs> do I, I do sort a of full bleach or do I <laughs> yeah. leave it normal? Do I change my whole look or change <laughs> it not at all? Perm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of like, I came to her with that, with that attitude of like really not knowing what I wanted and then like being like what do you think and she's like you know she she told me and she helped me through it but like it's really putting a lot more work on the artist mm -hmm. of just like let mm -hmm. me try to decipher what you are gonna like long term like because that's, they, that's a lot it's a lot of pressure because yeah. they know as well that like you don't just want anything. Like, yeah. when you may say you want, you're just, I'm easy, whatever. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. yeah. You're like, like, oh, you know. are you hungry? Yeah, I'm easy. I could do anything. No, yeah. you don't. No. Yeah. Like, you will do you're literally liar. anything, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find that hard to believe. Totally. My sister had that, not, not that, but she does pottery. And I asked her to make me some hanging planters for some of my plants. And I didn't want to be a burden or like too demanding. I was like, yeah, take your time whenever roughly like this size. I kind of like, I left it, even the color I didn't really specify, mostly because I just didn't know what I wanted. <laughs> but I put it on her to figure it out. And she was just like, kept texting me. She's like, okay, so what is this okay? I'm like, well, I don't <laughs> actually, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually I realized, like, I need to just give her the most specific instructions because I didn't, you know, I thought that would be more, more work for her. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I eventually realized, no, it's she can do the work. It's the thought that goes into that work. That's the extra burden, <laughs> burden that, yeah. that takes all the time. Mm -hmm. The emotional labor yeah. of being... <laughs> Of yeah. being like a service person and artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so because your your medium is, I mean, not your only medium, but your medium is tattooing, like that's how you make your living and, and mm -hmm. all that. 
what what's the balance of that for you like between being an artist and like a service you know like a, c- providing a service mm-hmm. the emotional labor that goes into that because <laughs> tattoos are so they don't have to be but a lot of them can be like very meaningful or sentimental mm-hmm. or not like a lot of my tattoos I just have them because I like because I it's like adornment kind of like it's a mm-hmm. thing of beauty mm-hmm. not and necessarily that- something that like I feel has like super significant like long-term meeting meaning but mm-hmm. but I feel like a lot of people approach tattoos from that point mm-hmm. of being like this needs to be very significant yeah I sorry know, that was like, such a like obscure <laughs> question oh it's okay but did you follow um, the thread <laughs> I got it yeah. I gotcha I know a lot of like colleagues and friends of mine that have had a lot of emotional burnout from tattooing and I've had that a little bit maybe without my even knowing but I I love when people like open up about stuff. I'm just like I'm soaking it in like a sponge because I'm such like a an emotional person. I think I overshare probably a lot, but <laughs> me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm always down for it. Yeah. Oh, cool. So that's actually feeding the practice rather than mm-hmm. adding pressure potentially. Yeah. I think it probably depends on the people and the day, and I definitely think clients should kind of like gauge or ask if it's okay to share certain things because mm-hmm. people can get pretty intense and vulnerable once pretty much it's like if you're touching someone you right. feel they feel safe yeah that was something oh, we learned with hairstyling because I was a hairstylist before oh. and with tattooing is the same thing of like if they're if you're touching someone they feel like they know you and they can trust you a lot more than they do so, so interesting. How I've never People thought about that yeah. before, but that's so true. And mm. I guess I was really thinking, like when we were preparing for this episode, I was really thinking about the art aspect of tattooing and like what is left, mm-hmm. not the actual act of like being that close to somebody, touching their body. Like that's mm-hmm. like a very intimate space. Mm-hmm. And so because you've been doing it now for 10, 11 years, and, and like you just said, you, you also worked as a hairstylist or trained as a hairstylist. Have you always been comfortable like being in that close physical space with people? I was not <laughs> at all. That was something that kind of deterred me from doing hair and even the idea of tattooing for so long because I was so terrified of people. Mm. And I, I started when I was 21, so I was like, this is a huge jump for me to be next to a stranger, touching them and making them comfortable and feel safe it's and a big talking job to them. for a 21-year-old. Oh my no God. kidding. Oh yeah, I turned like bright red in the face. <laughs> was just so overwhelmed. I can't imagine. I can't imagine doing that now as a 30-year-old, but I thinking of my 21-year-old self would that would have been Yeah, it's a wow. A lot of growing happens in a short period of time. Like artistically as well when you're wanting to make the best thing for a stranger to mm. be on their skin forever. So what did lead you into into making this your profession if there was that hesitation? I don't I had like friends that were really good cheerleaders for me at that time period. That was huge. Mm-hmm. And it gave me the room and comfort to feel like I could actually make things that were good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I just just really insecure, I guess. And I never thought like, oh, my art style was different. So I didn't think it was conducive to tattooing or whatever. Because it was different? Yeah. So you felt like it maybe couldn't 
or like it, it would be harder to find your niche maybe mm-hmm. as opposed to thinking like, oh, this is going to be what sets me apart. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, this isn't as conventional or something. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was like, I mean, at the time when I started, it was American traditional style tattooing, the very bold kind of old school Sailor Jerry stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there was like... Are you saying that's what was popular or yeah. that's what you were learning? That was popular. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where people start tattooing. It's like a good entry into learning the skills. And they're also, I mean, they're amazing, these tattoos and people that do them well. But I wasn't able to draw in that style. And I was like, this doesn't feel natural for me. And also the like portraits of the 2010s, right? you know, like <laughs> all of that was huge. And I was like, yes. I can't tattoo a freaking like Kat Von D level portrait on somebody. There's right. no way. So I just thought, oh, I can't do this. And then I saw more um, stick and poke artists. And I was really inspired by that style of just kind of saying, fuck you. I'm just going to do this thing that's not <laughs> allowed technically, quote unquote. Because people thought like, oh, it's like these people learned on their own. It's unsafe, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I I was very inspired by that. Just very basic black lines or bold images without all the shading, coloring. Mm -hmm. So I was very inspired by that. That's really cool. That is really cool. I So you started about 10 years ago, you said. I think that's around the time I was starting to be interested in getting tattoos, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember that time period and what was out there was not what I was interested in and I think like you were Mm -hmm. one of the first artists that I followed that I was like that that's it like that's the style Mm -hmm. and so yeah I can imagine it'd be very scary to you are reliant on the client to want your art right if Alex Mm -hmm. and I we put out an album (laughs) no one has to listen to it we've still done it like we still Mm -hmm. you know but it's usually what happens yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say, but, you know. <laughs> but, you know, we can make the art, we can do, it's not know, dependent power. on having, I mean, it, it mm. makes it a lot more enjoyable if there's an audience for it, yes. but it's not, it's not a prerequisite to making the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So to take that leap, I can imagine, yeah, it would be really challenging, but I'm, I'm personally grateful that you were, you know, used at that time when it wasn't so popular and the style, and even just, I guess, the idea surrounding tattoos. Like you said, Alex, you know, they used to be a lot more niche, like, and people would get them if they were just really meaningful to them or just kind of Sailor Jerry mm-hmm. style, you know, yeah. for a very, like, a, I don't know, specific kind of person where there was like that stereotype. But the world of tattooing has opened up so much in that yeah. 10 years, I feel like, since since yeah. you started have you noticed that through your career the city itself is like there are so many amazing artists here now doing similar styles or like way more out there kind of abstract kind of mm-hmm. styles which is really cool to see now it's like people come here knowing that this is a city where that's huge yeah mm-hmm. which is yeah so awesome so when you started 10 years ago you were apprenticing with for your dad or mm-hmm. and so your dad's a tattoo artist as well yeah okay yeah. and I know that both of your parents worked in film or or, mm-hmm. or have worked in film I don't know yeah. if they still do they both do my dad is still an actor oh cool. cool and he like made his own film recently and that those are like his passions but he's a very passionate person in general. Mm. Obviously has like varying creative outlets if he's mm-hmm. also a tattooer like yeah he's 
I think he's he's got like ADHD brain where he's like, okay, I really love this thing and I'm going to get really good at it and then I'm going to leave it forever. Yeah. <laughs> the hyper-focus. <laughs> yeah. Because he's like, yeah. he'll, he'll take up something and be like, okay, this is my life now. Yeah. And he's like amazing at it and then he's like just done with it. I'm like, dad, whatever happened to your wood carving? He's like, ah. I'm over it now. He doesn't even remember doing it. (laughs) So was tattooing part of his life 10 years ago or what, or is it still? Yeah, he's, he still tattoos. I think he started in like 2008 or something. Okay. So later in his life for sure. And was he always like a lover of of tattoos of like, he'd been collecting tattoos for a long time or? No, not really. I think he was kind of like thinking about the hustle and the grind how can i make money off of this okay <laughs> gotcha yes yeah, so. he still loves to do it but it was that was the intro i think oh cool yeah. and was he like an, an artist that was mm-hmm. just trying to find a way to capitalize on yeah. that okay yeah. yeah that makes sense and so did you grow up just like really enjoying visual art like were you kind of like you, you mentioned painting like were you mm-hmm. just drawing and painting as a child yeah and- really into like drawing and painting and yeah lots of like acrylic watercolor stuff would you say that your dad's art style specifically had an impact on you as Mm. an artist like as a in your tattooing or was it your styles were pretty distinct like from the beginning my style I think has always been super different than his I was inspired by him as a person, mm-hmm. but our styles, like he got very into like doing portraits and stuff. And like yeah. you said, like kind of what was like popping off mm-hmm. at the time. He, like, yeah. Got really good at that. Yeah. And then more so now he's kind of gone into things that he liked to do when he was younger, kind of more cartoonish imagery and mm. yeah. Cool. It's cool to see. Nice. I just wanted to double back to the hairstyling. Were you doing that alongside tattooing like when you were learning that or like where along in the timeline were you training as a hairstylist or working as a hairstylist I did it for I'd say about like a year and a bit before tattooing I think it was like a that year before in 2012 I think I just felt just too out of my depth doing it Mm. socially and I just wasn't there yet there are a lot of very strong big personalities in hair same with tattooing or any job but I just like wasn't ready for it yet and then the next year with tattooing I was like okay I'm like developing my personhood you know Mm -hmm. I was like this seems like the perfect time to dive into something intense (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I, I did hair on like two short films and then like did it from home and I would go to people's houses. So it was cool like navigating that world a little bit, but I never did the salon life aside from schooling. And do you do your own hair? Like do you cut your own hair? No, no. Yeah. Now I go to my very talented friend who I went to school with. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's cool. She's great. So one thing that you were saying when we asked what role creativity plays in your life, it, uh, the first thing that you said was escapism. And I imagine like a lot of us come to art and creativity potentially from that vantage point of like wanting a way to express ourselves, but also as like uh, an element of escape or exploring the annals of our mind. What do you do now for escapism? Maybe aside from Sims. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's pretty exclusive. Yeah, because <laughs> it's very obvious how 
connectivity is so linked to your to, to tattooing. Like we said before, like you're literally making physical contact, <laughs> connecting mm-hmm. with people. What about art for yourself? How do, how does the I just want you to expand on right. the escapism part of it. Hmm. Art for myself, or even just uh, literally, uh, just for some reason, the word escape, like escape, escapism, kind of like jumped out at me. I just want you to expand on that that part of the thought. Well, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm projecting here, but I'm guessing the escape part sort of has to come through in your own personal projects. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't imagine you're necessarily experiencing a lot of escapism when you're like working on tattooing someone, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. I think that is my escapism, maybe a little bit. Both. I, f- I feel like if I can, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but I'm like <laughs> s- escaping by learning about other people because mm-hmm. I don't have sense. to deal with my own right. stuff. Coming like, into their world. Yeah. And it, it's able to kind of expand my like horizons to be like, okay, everyone's going through their own stuff, you know? Yeah. Everyone's dealing with mm. their own shit. Can no, I say that, that does make sense for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I have that in teaching too. When I'm like going through my own personal stuff, and I'm like, oh, how could I possibly teach right now? Like I'm a mess. But then you just go into that zone of focusing in on the other person, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, life goes on, and mm-hmm. like we're all just like living our lives, and yeah. I have to focus on them now. Like take that yeah. focus. So you're like escaping yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sense. and I feel very refreshed afterwards. Like mm-hmm. I could have a day where I'm going in and go like. I'm really not feeling it today. And then I meet an awesome person and then my day is just better. Mm-hmm. It's just like revitalized. Reinv- reinvigorating yeah. your system. Yeah. It's interesting because you said you are very introverted, mm-hmm. right? So it sounds like that would be challenging yeah. doing that, but you find it actually. Maybe it's like an adrenaline rush. I think I'm like an adrenaline junkie at this point. <laughs> I don't know. Your introverted nature just clashes with the adrenaline part of you and you kind of find that invigoration Mm -hmm. through through pushing the introvert yeah I think it's because I found so much joy from stepping outside of my comfort zone to do things Mm -hmm. because for so long I was like oh I'm too scared to do this or that or, or I could never do that and then even getting into tattooing was like that was such a huge jump outside of my comfort zone I realized that I could get out of my bubble and be like meeting people and talking and learning. And and so what was it that made you make that jump? I know you said you had some cheerleaders, like I'm mm-hmm. guessing maybe your dad and then also friends. Mm-hmm. So uh, was it just that that helped you gain the confidence to take that step? Or were there other kind of extenuating circumstances that also played a part? Yeah, I feel like it was the cheerleading. And <laughs> my dad obviously had the privilege of being able to use his whole set- setup and everything. And I was living at home, so I didn't have to work a job at a coffee shop or anything. My mom was kind of very accommodating. And yeah, just being given room to grow. So I feel like super privileged to say that. <laughs> I don't know what else I could yeah. say. Yeah, no, Wait. I mean, that makes sense. Like you had the tools available to you. You had the mm-hmm. space, you had the encouragement. Like why not take that? Yeah, I thought why not? Because I wasn't getting hired at all these jobs I was applying to. And it kind of felt like, oh, maybe it's meant to be then. Because I was doing tattooing and trying to get a job. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, well, I'll just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Do my own thing. 
Nice. I felt similarly when I started music. And I think there's something to be said about recognizing opportunities when they come to you, Mm -hmm. uh, being a sign that you're ready for those opportunities, right? You know, we kind of, we're always searching for meaning and for the universe to like tell us Mm -hmm. what to do, right? Especially us artistic creative types, I think we kind of feel a need to be drawn (laughs) to things. But Mm -hmm. really, I think there's a lot of work in your subconscious that's you know preparing you for being ready for those and you mentioned as well that you are coming into yourself as a person Mm -hmm. so maybe having a bit more confidence and a bit more of a a point of view and uh, yeah totally I'm sure that plays a big part in Mm. in you know any type of artistry yeah being able to feel like you can do that is not something that comes naturally to everyone right Mm -hmm. so something you definitely have to work towards yeah it was a lot of a lot of work went into that mm-hmm. <laughs> emotionally mentally physically <laughs> yeah I, I bet. Yeah. And you, yeah you said your mom was like very accommodating and mm-hmm. your parents met on a film set your dad's very artistic did you also get quite a lot of artistic nurturing or I guess artistic example from your mom as well yeah she has a very different what are the two sides? There's the creative right brain and left oh, yeah. brain. She's mm, very like, analytical. Like, yeah, she's more analytical, logical, and she doesn't see herself as an artistic person, but I think she is as well. What was her work on films? She's a script supervisor. Oh, cool. <laughs> right. Oh, so yeah. that makes sense. Like being yeah. a little bit more left brain oriented, mm-hmm. like kind of, I, I guess I don't actually know what a script supervisor yeah. does. Her yeah. job is a lot of, like she'll read a script ahead of time, time it, see how long it's going to take for each scene. And then the day of, she's taking note of all of the scenes or shots that they do. And then all that info goes to the editor. So she's like, has to memorize, you know, that person's hair is on the left side in the front. And then... If they do another shot, the hair has to come back here. Right. So someone so. has to be incredibly detail oriented. Mm-hmm. It's like thinking about the big picture, but is like able to like zone in on or hone in on these like very specific elements. Yes. And then, yeah. So yeah. that's also interesting in terms of like how that would play into tattooing, like having to mm-hmm. be like incredibly, well, one organized because you're having to like set your own schedule, right? And like mm-hmm. correspond with people. And then also just like the detail oriented nature of tattooing. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm a perfect combination of both of my parents in a lot of ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's great. She's very talented at her job. Nice. That's awesome. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Those those jobs are always interesting to me. The, the ones that yeah, she's surrounded by this art, mm-hmm. artistic, creative venture. She, obviously, she values that, at, mm-hmm. you know, in your dad as well, right? She's mm-hmm. surrounded by that. But taking on the more logical, yeah. uh, maybe analytical approach. And she also puts a lot of love and care into stuff where mm-hmm. she's not just doing like a throwaway job. She's like actually cares about the outcome of a scene or... Uh, if things don't make sense, like she's like kind of logical in that way of like, oh, well, the sun's going down. It says it's supposed to be 3 p.m. This doesn't match up. Mm. And like the outcome is important to her as well. She's the artistic bas- vision. Right. She's basically the person who tries to limit the IMDB. Like, yes. goof. What do they call those? Uh, the inconsistencies that people yeah. always write out about movies. Oh, that's a <laughs> She's good trying point. to get rid of that. Yeah. What are those called? Yeah. yeah the, any kind um, of errors of like. Yeah. The, exactly what you said. The hair. The hair in this, mm-hmm. you know, clip that's in the so front. If I'm watching a movie with her, she'll just go like. Oh. 
I'm like, oh, okay, don't tell me. I don't think I want to know. <laughs> she oh. must. That must be. That yeah. must be like a full time thing in her brain. And yeah, hard to shut off. She just like can't watch movies for the most part. She's <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> that's so funny. Another one of those jobs in artistic fields that unless you are pretty well versed in like how a film is made, you wouldn't know that that's a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it took me so long to figure out what she was doing, and there are so many people. <laughs> In that field that I'm like, what's a, di- a DIT? D-I-T? Oh. I don't know. I still don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But she works closely <laughs> yeah. with them. Something yeah. to do with sound? I don't know. Oh, oh, Sorry okay. to all the DITs in the world. <laughs> yeah, apologies. Sorry. We'll, we'll, I'm Google, sure, we'll Google you later. I know it's important. I'm sure your job is really important and yeah. valued. <laughs> mm. Did you ever go on movie sets growing up and with your parents? Yes. Yeah. Uh, one fun story I could tell is my dad's movie back in it must have been 95 or 97 or something I was so little he made his own movie directed it and also starred in it he was like doing the whole thing and he had full face makeup that was like this um piece constructed by a man I don't know anyone's names but (laughs) he had to wear it overnight like a prosthetic yeah like a prosthetic yeah And Why did you have to wear it overnight? So they wouldn't have to redo it tomorrow, yeah. like take it all. Because that yeah. takes hours. Yeah. Because yeah. oh it took like hours to put it on. I don't remember how long. And so he would just like sleep in it. I think he just slept in it. It's <laughs> like yeah. going through the McDonald's drive through <laughs> He's like, I'm so sorry. Don't look at me. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'll take two cheeseburgers. <laughs> yeah. Nobody talk about this. Yeah. Like, that's just that's so funny. But yeah, I've had lots of cool experiences going on film sets and like dipping my hand in wax, like hot wax, taking your hand out and you've got a cast of your hand in wax. They're using it for ice to make fake ice, I guess. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I guess cause, so it doesn't melt. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Lots of cool things in film that are yeah. also inspiring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I totally. bet. I bet. So I'm assuming that you growing up were very encouraged to like pursue artistic mm-hmm. ventures. Yes. And did you ever think about not doing something kind of outside of the box when you were growing up or was that always... I plan for you. I kind of always thought I was going to do something artistic or something in film or mm-hmm. I couldn't really picture myself outside of that because I think early on I wanted to be like a DOP in mm-hmm. in film and director of photography. Yes, sorry, sorry. I shouldn't <laughs> just, <laughs> for anyone not in the biz. <laughs> I am not in the biz. I did not know what that was. Sorry. <laughs> A director of photography, yeah. Yeah, I I think, you know, in high school when they make you do, I don't know if you guys did this, but like you do a test to see what jobs you're most suitable for. Mm. The top one for me was nurse. Oh. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, a bit of a curveball. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, I don't think I want to do that at all. (laughs) What? what do I do with that information? Yeah. <laughs> Respect all the nurses, but I was like, and, that would and break look me. at you now, you're working with needles, you're touching That's true. Needles, That's you're dealing true. with blood. Oh sometimes. my god, I'm a nurse. Oh my yeah. god. It's happening. You're you're taking care of people, right? You're yeah. Giving people. that emotional support. Yeah. You're I'm making sure things are clean. Yes. And yeah. I and mean, yeah. there's so very per- there's some nurse like yeah. behaviors or, or not behaviors, but <laughs> protocols. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So they're not like that far off. That's true. So maybe the test, you know, kind of knew what it was doing. <laughs> it knew. It's happened. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's funny. Yeah. I didn't even think about it like that. <laughs> wow. So just going back to what we were talking about earlier with how we came to know 
who you are before meeting you in person. What was it like for you? And when did you start like actively growing your social media? Like, was it kind of like right away when you started tattooing or what role has that played in your work? Because I imagine it's pretty important. Mm -hmm. I feel like that time period Instagram was kind of just becoming a super big app. And I feel like it was all very serendipitous. Like we were talking about earlier, like I was 21, I was coming into my own at that moment. And then like that app was blowing up and people were just seeing my stuff. Like I, I think maybe I did hashtags as well. Like it was a time where that app was launching people's careers. And now I don't think it's the same, but it was definitely like pretty much as soon as I started, there were strangers seeing it through like Tumblr as well. Oh, <laughs> nice. Really dating yourself yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I guess nowadays, I mean, Instagram is obviously still a, a thing, but mm -hmm. it's probably harder to get noticed right? yeah. when you're when everyone is using the same tools and mediums to promote themselves. It becomes a bit of a sea of so. and I definitely think it was the algorithm people always talk about that now but it for sure was just maybe different or uh less saturated or I don't know I think yeah I think all of the above yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I think it was different and it was less saturated mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so you found your online community relatively painlessly uh, yeah I was gonna say like not not effortlessly obviously you were you're you were posting, you were using hashtags, but it was something that was growing on its own pretty organically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was making a lot of friendships with other tattooers in the city. I owe that to like a friend of mine who is very social and brought me into a group of people who are also learning how to tattoo at the same time. And then they like opened a shop within like two years of us all doing like these pop-up tattoo events together. And yeah, it all kind of worked out really well for me. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. And that's something kind of true of, I mean, not that I know all of your friends. Um, I only know a little cross section of the friends that you share with Chris, but that was kind of a joy in, in starting to date. Chris was like meeting his friends because you guys are all, well, one, like very kind and, and welcoming and fun, but also like a lot of artists, like just like a big group of artists mm -hmm. in, in different mediums. So um, I know you grew up here, right? And mm -hmm. so have you kind of always found yourself surrounded by artists? Like you kind of just like find your way into these communities or? I think really at that moment is where I found myself in that community. But oh no, maybe <laughs> I'm like only thinking about it now. I think I was just really lucky in that moment in time to find a bunch of other creative people, but I haven't really had that throughout the rest of my life before then. I don't know. But I think a lot of it is meeting one person and then branching out into their friend group or, you know, going to an art show and actually talking to people, which is hard for me. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah, it's all about the exposure, I guess. You just have to put yourself yeah, out the there. Networking. Yeah. I do wanna just talk about because you've mentioned a couple times making your own clothes and taking up sewing. Mm -hmm. So when did you start taking up sewing? And also, when did you start getting interested in like making your own clothes? Like what mm -hmm. was the gap between like the interest and the execution? Mm -hmm. I started sewing in 2020 and then promptly gave up. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I started sewing again like a couple months ago and felt really inspired to make clothes because I wasn't finding 
anything that I liked. I feel like in this gap of time where I was isolated, where we all were, I stopped buying clothes and was just wearing the same thing over and over and was like, I, I want to make things that I want to wear that aren't $500, <laughs> you know? Good point. <laughs> yeah, and that you know have been made well. Yeah, and, and, and ethically. Can, yeah, and yeah, 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 totally. You can put yourself through the hard yes. labor, but, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That's Yeah, that's a really interesting motivator is just, yeah, having a particular taste and not necessarily having the means to spend, like, hundreds and thousands of dollars on on. You know, what can usually be like relatively simple pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So when you were beginning in 2020, what was what was sort of the halt? <laughs> like what, 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 st- what stalled you out? The halt. I feel like it's always some kind of technical issue if I stop something. Mm. So I just, things weren't going as smoothly as I wanted. Something messed up with the machine and I just got really upset. And I think... Since then, I've learned that I could just chill and like let bad things happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like if something goes wrong now, I just like, instead of completely scrapping it, I'll take a breather for 10, 20 minutes and go like, this is totally okay. (laughs) You know, you don't have to like think that you're a bad person for doing something wrong or something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And and yeah, I think I've gotten better at like self-soothing in a lot of ways through certain artistic ventures. Mm, trying to Does take the sense? perfectionism out yeah. of it or to maybe, I don't know if you can ever really take out the perfectionist yeah. in you, but working with that person to be like, mm-hmm. it's okay, <laughs> we're, we're yeah. fine. It's taken me a long time to do that for sure. Yeah. To I, be like, it doesn't have to be perfect right away. <laughs> especially if you're just starting out, yeah. right? I, for me, when I started sewing, I was... I also, like, I started, I sewed my first garment, like, just last month or, you know, very recently, and my mom actually bought me a sewing machine a year and a half ago. Like, it took me a really long time to just Mm -hmm. start because I was really not willing to be bad at it, you know, and I just mentally had to get over that hurdle of, like, you're going to be bad. Mm -hmm. You're not going to wear clothes, or you're not going to make clothes that you want to wear right away. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to kind of go through that. Yeah. And sometimes like, sorry to interrupt. All it it. takes is like having it out. Like Mm -hmm. same with any kind of art supplies, just have it out on a table, which sometimes could take up a lot of space. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then you're more inclined to go, oh, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll Mm -hmm. do this. It's right there. For five minutes or 10 (laughs) minutes or whatever to ease your way back in. To go like, okay, yeah, I actually do like doing this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. So perfectionism has come up like throughout this this episode. And it's interesting because it was something that I was thinking about earlier this week in myself. Um, so I would love for us to just maybe touch on it a little bit more, just dig into it a bit, because it is so, <laughs> so difficult to escape <laughs> in, in creative endeavors. And mm. I n- had never really considered myself a perfectionist for various reasons, because I'm not like a particularly careful person always. I'm not always trying to make something the best, but what I was thinking about earlier was even though I, maybe the specific word perfectionism doesn't really resonate with me. Sometimes I think how it comes up for me is not thinking things are good enough 
And it just kind of dawned on me that that's an element of perfectionism. I had always kind of written off perfectionism because I didn't think that I was ever aiming for perfect, but I often feel not good enough Mm -hmm. or that what I'm making is not good enough. So I realized that was how perfectionism shows up for me. And so I was wondering if you two could just go through like, how does perfectionism look for you or what does it sound like to you in your self-talk or your narrative or your feelings? Mm -hmm. It's definitely not good enough or it didn't match up to the vision. Like you have some kind of idealized version of it in your head and it didn't go that way. So scrap the whole thing. (laughs) That's usually how my brain thinks about it. And or, oh, you can't, you're not capable of doing that. Right. Does that so make sense? Right before you've even even considered doing it, like, oh, mm-hmm. you can't. Yeah. Or or like even after I've done it and I did it wrong, I'm like, well, it's because you can't do it and you you did it wrong. <laughs> it's like the you worst. Don't, like give yourself the grace of like, well, you know, yeah. it's not. Just try again. Yeah. yeah. You try fall again. off the horse, you get back on. Or even like, here's the things that did work. It's just mm-hmm. like. It's like, mm-hmm. that's ruined. <laughs> right, right. Karen, yes. how about for you? How does perfectionism show up for you? A lot of what both of you just said definitely for me I think it's not starting at all it's just like I get really stuck before I've started something and have a really hard time like I kind of said at the beginning if I if I do something well it doesn't necessarily give me that motivation to keep going it makes me feel like oh well now I really can't mess this up yeah I get I get very stuck I can't push past that feeling of don't even try and yeah, I think for me, a lot of the time it is like I'll, I'll start something when I know I'm not going to be very good at it because I don't have that idea of perfectionism. But once I've set a precedent, I like mm-hmm. kind of got started. That's where I, I have a hard time going, like going beyond that. You start mm-hmm. watching other YouTube videos and mm-hmm. of people being perfect. And you're like, I need to be that way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I've like claimed this thing, you know, that I do. I have to be at that level. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, even when we started in music school, I was like grossly unprepared. <laughs> I like, didn't have any music background. And to me, that helped me do it at the beginning. They helped me apply and go through it all because I was like, well, I don't know anything. I'm just going to, you know, whatever. Like I have mm. no concept of or I have no bar set for myself. But once I've kind of set that bar, I just don't even try to <laughs> try to reach it because, mm-hmm. yeah, it feels very daunting. It's hard to quiet that little voice in your head for me it feels like there's two people there's like the angry critical me and then there's the me who's just like it's fine yeah. it's totally <laughs> chill you're doing it for fun right and yeah it's like no you like the little angel and devil yeah, on your shoulder totally. kind of whispering in your ear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i imagine it's taken conscious effort to externalize those feelings because like of of not letting it get to I'm bad mm-hmm. or or at least like recognizing that it's like no it's just a process mm-hmm. like and like even if I've made a bad thing it doesn't mean that I'm terrible like I'm a yeah. terrible artist or whatever it is or like mm-hmm. terrible sewer <laughs> what were some of those like self-soothing techniques that you've developed and did that happen consciously or did you just kind of like through the process of making sort of also refine your ability to to, mm-hmm. to monitor your self-talk or, or your beliefs yeah I think I came up with a couple different things that helped me compartmentalize my emotions a bit better of like, oh, okay, I'll like stand up, I'll go for a walk or I'll get a cup of tea 
And then uh, that will allow me the time to process those emotions so I can come back and have it fresh maybe. So I, I have like little routines that I put together to be like, okay, once I come back to this, I will be okay. And we'll just, we'll deal with the other side of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome Thanks. though. I'm sure that's taken you time to really figure out what that routine should look like mm-hmm. as well. Or even just knowing that you need to take yourself out of mm-hmm out of the process for a minute and, yeah. and to out of the process of, of making to process your emotions to let them just like run through mm-hmm. yeah yeah I forget where I heard this but I've heard it in multiple places probably podcasts maybe even a book but apparently emotions only take 90 seconds to process like if you're willing to just like let them happen and and flow through you Usually it's about 90 seconds, but because we resist and we repress so much, it, you know, it gathers and it builds. But if we're willing in the moment to just stand oh, up, oh, there you go, let it flow through, then mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably another, mm-hmm. another element of like why after leaving it for a second, it does feel like you're coming back fresh. Yeah. It's just like you've let it wash through. There you, you go. I've yeah. learned how to process my emotions a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I guess that must've been a totally subconscious thing where I'm like, just let the emotions happen. You don't have to just like sit in the anger or be upset that things aren't going your way. Mm-hmm. It's probably a control thing as well. Yeah, which is kind of a perfectionist tendency yeah. too, right? Mm-hmm. Just trying to not just be perfect in the task, but be perfect in how you execute it. And mm-hmm. for me, when I'm upset, the thing that I really, I mean, I've, I've been trying to do that as well. That's been an ongoing thing in my life of letting me feel those emotions and process because my usual, you know, way of, or my usual reaction to that, to feeling any kind of negative emotion is to get angry at myself for feeling that way, you know, mm. and then you are building on to whatever that emotion is. If it's, you know, being upset or, or being angry or disappointed and then just being like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like just, you know, and then I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I get angry about it. But, yeah, you know, just allowing yourself that space is so helpful. And then you can carry on, you know, and mm-hmm. keep, keep going with it. So is there anything that you're excited to make currently or, or any Ooh. kind of mm-hmm. hobbies that you're like, I know the sewing is also still relatively fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, have you got any other like interesting hobbies that you're keen on trying or just projects? No new hobbies yet, but there's usually something on the horizon. But I'm really excited about, just started talking with my friend about making a project where I wanted to collaborate with her on this chore coat, you know, like those, yeah, yeah, Mm kind of like a painter's coat-ish. I wanted to make it and then we could work together. Like maybe I'd paint something and then she'd do something. Oh, cool. Or like I'd do the front, she'd do the back. And that's kind of another way of me trying to let myself chill out and be like, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can just make things and kind of be a little messy with it. Not that it's going to be messy, but I was like, let's just do whatever, like no pressure. Kind and it's of taking project. some of the control away. If you're letting yeah. someone else mm-hmm. collaborate, then it's a good exercise mm-hmm. in not setting those expectations of like what the yeah. final outcome will be. Cause they might choose something totally different. Mm-hmm. And like, I would never feel with my friend's work, oh, this doesn't look good or you need to change right. this. I'm like, everything you do is amazing. <laughs> yeah, the hypercritical <laughs> right. voice kind of ends at you. It ends at me completely. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Cool. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. And I'm sure, you know, you've got your days filled with tattooing still. Do you mm-hmm. any? Oh, yeah. I know you recently, I mean, not that this will go up um, right away, but I know you recently opened your books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I book in like one or two month blocks, kind of depending on the time of year. Summer is usually more chill. But yeah, now I'm October. Nice. Excited for fall. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so this might come out when you've already closed your books, or you may mm-hmm. have already closed your books. Well, the next one will be the next two months. Okay, after. great. Okay. So like kind of November, December. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if anyone is interested and has checked out Liv's work, then keep your eyes peeled on the Instagram for the November, December mm-hmm. openings. So yeah, I think we are ready to close up with our creative recommendations, if you've got any. Or Everyone. I, I have one the ball. just to... Just to bookend my creative thing for the week, my creative recommendation is to be a tourist in your own city. So the two things that Chris and I did were both free. So yeah, just check out what you can see for free. It doesn't have to be like a big financial burden to to go experience something new. Even if, you know, when I told my sister that I was going to the Burnaby Museum, she's like, oh, the grade two teacher is taking her class there. And I was like, <laughs> makes sense. But it was still fun for me as an almost 34-year-old. Yeah, so, yeah. you fun know, the whole family. even if it does seem maybe a little childish like the carousel is still fun yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> those things totally. are great I, it's, we, yeah it helps like awaken that inner child yeah. and i think that's so important for creativity so mm-hmm. yeah we tend to think we have to age out of a lot of fun offerings or educational like things that are kind of like geared towards families you know accessible to children but i learned a lot like one thing that i learned was in 1903 the head tax for chinese immigrants was five hundred dollars which I looked it up would be equivalent to between 17 and $18,000 today. So just kind of like putting, cause you know, you've learned about head, uh, you know, I learned about head tax in school, but I didn't have any context for what that would mean Mm -hmm. for a person actually trying to come to Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, And most of they're looking for a better life. Like, you know, like $500 then is a huge amount of money. Like I, so I feel like I learned a lot and it gave me an appreciation for the city and just kind of made me feel a little bit more awake to the history, even if it was things that I already knew, just deepening my understanding and just having, having fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. Mm, I would say like go to a public library. I love that. Let's bring those back. I love the library. I know. I've been going to the library recently you know, after, yeah, never, never going in my adult life, but mm-hmm. it is so nice to go into a public yeah. library. And there's like, you can rent instruments for free, audiobooks. just, I mean, going there, I feel inspired because I'm like, all these people are reading and studying or there's like always something going on, especially at the one, the central one downtown. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, I love the library. They've got so much. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, we kind of limit our understanding of the library to being just taking out books. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There's so many other things there that you can yeah. you can rent and or even just experience, you know, while you're there. Mm-hmm. And even just the books, like I love going to the library and just looking at their new releases or their fast reads or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's a great way if you don't know what you want to read, just mm-hmm. go look go look around like something will pique your interest yeah yeah Yeah. that's awesome yeah (laughs) there's great like art books to take out like i mean botanical illustration books like they're difficult to find unless you go to some like 
a library is the perfect place for that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, but <laughs> yeah, tons of resources there. Nice. So. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks thank so much. Thanks so much for coming on and talking yeah. to us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was tons of fun. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time, like, even in my head, I was just thinking of you as Fear Bear. Because oh. I was <laughs> thinking of you in that mm-hmm. context for so long. But it was really nice to actually talk to you yeah. and get to know a name you. And- to the Fear Bear. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, for everyone listening, please go check out the links in the show notes to see Liv's art, her tattoos, and keep your eyes peeled for the next book opening. (laughs) The next opening of the books. Yeah, the next (laughs) opening of the books. It all sounds good. Awesome. Okay, and with that, this has been Vicarious. I'm Alex. I'm Karen. And I'm Olivia. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.